Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Here are the plugs before the show right now on sale. Phoenix, March 28th, 7 p.m. at CB Live. I'm doing a show. I've got all new jokes and stories for you. And guess what? That is the only Arizona stop I'm making this year. So if you are anywhere in Arizona, get in that car. Make a little road trip. Look at the cacti. It's going to be gorgeous. Come see me. Then I don't know. Whatever you do after that is your business. New York City is on sale. May 7th through 9th. That is five shows at Caroline's Comedy Club. It's Mother's Day weekend. Bring your mom or come pregnant. Or if you aren't a mom, come with your girlfriends that don't have kids. Be like, we don't have kids. Jen wrote a book about it. I got all new jokes and stories for you. I haven't been back to Caroline's in a little um, two years, so I'm excited to be back. It's my only New York City date this year, so do not wait. JenKirkman.com for all of these tickets. You can see it right there on the homepage, or if you want to, you can click tour. And I have other cities coming up on sale, so just stay tuned. Join my newsletter, jenkirkman.com, and click Kirk Mail. You will get a personal email the minute everything goes on sale, and that way you won't miss out. I've got more cities coming up this year and ones that I haven't even told you about yet, so stay on it. Enjoy this week's episode. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having fun. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 318. This is Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman. Now, I don't, as of this recording, I don't have any information for you on the Patreon. I'm I'm not, to be honest, sure what happened. I was in touch with one of the heads of it. We were on the phone, we were emailing, and then she hasn't returned an email in a month. I don't know if she's locked in a closet somewhere, but this is the first week of the new year as as I record this, so um, I'll probably have more information by the time this airs. Hopefully, we'll know something next week. I don't know what's happening, but I'm excited to get that going. So, what are we going to talk about this week? Oh, you know, the new thing where hotels text you the entire time you're in your room, Um, people on planes not using headphones, adults and children, and of course, 
the online controversy that ensued when I talked about it. Um, Brian May from Queen talking about codependency on his Instagram and how much I love that. We've got listener emails and uh, people want to know how to get over it when something shitty happens at Christmas. And then, of course, carried over from last week, the Pope smackdown and the Hallmark controversy. So let's start with you guys. Let's start open hearted. And this week's episode is sponsored by Wealthfront and Imperfect Foods. Let's start with you guys. And then we'll then we'll end on high notes, pop culture and such. But I got an email from a listener and a lot of times I'll know that I'm going to read an email but I won't think about the advice I'm giving. Sort of wing it. But I, th- I actually thought about this. And so um, I was going to read this last week. But I'm reading it now. Advice on how to save Christmas. For, this is for next Christmas, obviously. Jen, longtime listener. I started listening when I was 15 and I am now 20. Oh, God. Make me feel old. I really legit could be this person's mother. Isn't that great? That means listening to your podcast has gotten me through not only my angst-filled teenage years, but is now following me into adulthood, which involves real adult problems. I would argue your teenage angst will end at 30. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Um, I am a Christmas geek. I love Christmas. In fact, I got engaged while listening to I Seem Fun. Oh, my God. If anyone wants to get engaged during this podcast, I'll I'll do some some, uh, engagement stuff that just gives me an idea okay and right afterwards my fiance took me to a christmas store in the middle of may because that's how much i adore the holiday however i am fearing that these feelings may be fading a few years ago we lost my grandfather three days before christmas when the season rolls around i always try not to think about it so it doesn't ruin my christmas vibe i am flagging that sentence but now just a few days ago my wonderful aunt was tragically killed by an irresponsible licenseless driver just two days after Christmas. My whole family is devastated, and now I know that Christmas time won't ever be the same. The holiday is now always going to seem heavy and filled with horrible memories instead of Christmas cheer. To add to it, my love of Christmas comes from my grandmother, who is basically a Southern Indian Santa Claus. She instilled within me the love of the holiday, but is now nearing the end of her battle with cancer. I'm terrified that with all of these losses, especially the loss of the person who is the embodiment of Christmas to me, I won't be able to enjoy the holiday as an adult. I don't want this, but I can't shake that it will just not be the same or fun anymore and will instead be sadness. Do you have any advice on how I could save Christmas for myself and maybe even for my family, who is now going to have to recall very painful memories every time it rolls around? Thanks for keeping it real. Well, let me just say this. Because all the thoughts are racing to my head, even though I wrote them down. Don't worry about trying to save it for your family. Um, I'm sure you mean the best, and I'm sure you don't mean it as intensely as I'm about to make it sound like you did. But we don't want to dip our toe into codependency, which is, oh my God, I can't feel comfortable unless everyone else around me is doing everything right and feeling happy and blah, blah, blah. Your family might be better at dealing with it than you think. And and the reason I say this is because they, they might probably be a little older than you and have gone through this before. Now, the tragic death of your aunt by a reckless driver, um, we all hope we don't meet our death that way or have our loved ones die that way. We all are prepared in general that, you know, we might get sick as we get older. And, you know, we, we kind of know that's the deal, right? But so let me say a few things. 
you are very young and still feeling things very intensely. And I'm not saying if you're 80, people get hit by cars all the time and you're like, what abs past the cigarettes? That's not what I mean. But I mean, you're in that phase right now where you cannot fathom feeling differently because you are in it and so sad. But that's because you don't have a ton of when you look back at your life, there's only been 19 years of it. Think of how many of those years you were really a conscious person, really, truly an adult, maybe what, 13 on? That's six years. You know what I'm saying? Now think of someone in their 40s, 50s, 60s. They've got decades of having horrible things happen on certain days that normally are attached to joy and learning how to live with both. Now, this is I got to go Buddhist on everyone. Life is suffering and life is beautiful all at once. We cannot be like, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Then when it's suffering, we throw all the awesome away and really we got to carry both at once. So here's the deal. It sounds like you're making a decision that it sucks, right? That this sucks. Christmas is going to suck. It's going to be hard, which is actually a way of avoiding your feelings because we to celebrate the joy of Christmas while being aware that we're going to lose people and that people are gone is so much more painful than going, fuck it, I'm not celebrating it. Fuck it, it's ruined. And I know you're not saying that you want to say fuck it. I know you're saying, won't this feel awful for a long time? And yeah, it will. It's it, Things are changed. It's going to feel awful. Um. But right now, you can't live in the future. You may all get hit by a nuclear bomb, specifically just your family having dinner for some, the weirdest bomb ever, but just hits your family. You know, you may never see another Christmas. You don't know. So you can't future plan your feelings. You can't future feel your grief. But what you can do, though, is to say, huh, I'm in acceptance today that Christmas will probably feel different, but I don't know. Be open to the miracles. You know, your family might actually be the ones that you lean on. Your family. So I'll just read what I wrote. Can you hold your opinion of this very neutrally? Like, don't grasp that it has to be gotten over so Christmas can be good. And it doesn't have to be declared that Christmas is ruined. How about, man, there's so much I love about Christmas, but it's painful this time of year. And sit with that. And actually, you can do a few things since you have proof that life is short you can do exactly what you feel like doing each christmas and and often we have to plan way in advance for christmas right plane tickets car rentals just decisions being made so do exactly what you feel like doing on christmas and if for some reason i mean i I can't imagine this would be the case that you don't want to be with your family but don't promise anyone anything until the season rolls around and then kind of listen to your gut. But but I don't really, rereading your letter out loud, I don't think the issue is that you don't want to be with your family. But how about using it as the time of year that you go deeper into yourself? You know, if you are part of any religion, and, and you don't have to be, but most religions are about don't be afraid to go deeper into the pain. I, whatever the God is, am there for you. And with stuff like a more, um, a thing like a, I'm not a Buddhist, so I don't mean to offend anyone by saying this, but I just mean like philosophically, like that kind of approach of when we face something and go deeper into it, it's never as scary as we think. It's when we resist things. If you resist, it persists. It's when we resist things that the object becomes bigger and scarier and darker and hiding in the corner. When we look into it, we take all the power away and we actually just feel our feelings. Avoidance of feeling feelings, people confuse with feelings. The avoidance feels so much worse. 
So I say you do exactly what you feel like doing for Christmas, letting the exquisite pain that you're in guide you. This is your time of year now. Christmas has a new meaning. You're not a kid anymore. It's not Santa Claus with the presents. Maybe it's being the most feeling you can be, the most loving you can be. Who else out there has proverbially proverbially lost someone um, and physically and literally lost people? Can you be there for other people? Can you just be there? You don't just solve. Nobody can solve death. Nobody can solve the pain of death. You just be there with people. Hug people. Get to know the people that are still around. Ask them questions. Ask them, tell me your greatest memories of Aunt Hoosie Doozy and Grandma what whatnot. You know, um, celebrate it. Talk about these people. Keep them in your memory. It's warm. It's love. It's beautiful. They're there with you. Don't ignore it and be like, everything's ruined. Of course, you're going to be reminiscent of the feelings that came up, but that's okay. Then you cry and you mourn and you talk to your family about it. Maybe you do something for those people. Maybe you have a moment of silence for them. Maybe you say a prayer for them out loud. Maybe you light a special candle for them. Maybe you, everybody writes one page of how they're feeling and they all read it out loud together. I mean, I don't know, but I see you got to go deeper into it. That's where the beauty is. That's where you're actually going to change yourself and be changed and allow others to change you. You don't have to be the party boy, codependency. I got to make everything okay. A lot of times you find out people aren't even looking to you for that, you know, and I don't know if you're a boy or girl. I said party boy for some reason. Um, So but sometimes the most holy you can be is when you're hurting and that's when God comes in or your higher mind or your inner parent. Trust me, whether they died at Christmas time or not, the losses you feel can always be amplified at the holidays and try not to give this time of year any more meaning than already exists. Be in acceptance that this might hurt for a long time, and that's okay. It's also maybe the time of year to honor the dead, talk about them more, bond with family, cry with them. This is an invitation. This loss is an invitation to grow. It's going to hurt for a long time, but time takes away the intensity of the feelings, and that's both the beauty and the cruelty of life. So if anyone else wants to give advice, um, I seem fun at gmail.com. I'll, I'll read it out to our listener. So speaking of which, this is why, you know, the Internet, we can always complain and be like, it's so awful. Everybody sucks. Everyone's so stupid. But I've got to tell you that Brian May's Instagram, Brian May is the guitar player for Queen. He had posted uh, on the new year as a photo of him in front of a painting of Jimi Hendrix. And he wrote, Inspiration for the next 10 years, thanks to my dear friend, Joe Elliott of Def Leppard, which who knew they were friends. I have this great image of my hero, Jimi Hendrix, on my wall to remind me to keep reaching for the stars. A bit too glib for you? Well, that's my brave face. Most of this Christmas period, I haven't wanted to show my face because my face was grim. There's something about this time of year that paralyzes me. Depression, hopelessness, fear... I get engulfed. Is it logical? No. Should I be grateful for my life and therefore not depressed? Yes. But none of that makes any difference when you look up and the colors have gone out of the world. Tomorrow, I am wrenching myself back into normality, starting with some biking and stretching and hot and cold showering. Oh, and the veganary quest. It went okay on day two. I guess he's going vegan for January. Breakfast, half a grapefruit and crisp bread with plant-based spread and homemade marmalade. Jasmine tea, black lunch, a vegan padana and pizza express with my littlest ones. 
That's very easy. They do it all for you. They make it with vegan cheese and it tastes just like normal. And for dinner, some nice light veggies prepared by my amazing wife. There are so many great vegetables in the world. Artichoke hearts, hearts of palm, roasted parsnips, new potatoes, and a rocket and tomato salad perked up with olive oil and balsamic vinegar from dear old Luciano Pavarotti's hometown. Plus a nice selection of nuts and raisins. Hey, this is a doddle. Ha ha. Well, we shall see. Happy Friday, folks. We'll be out of this murky sargasso. We'll soon be out of this murky sargasso see. Okay. And this is my favorite post ever. Brian May, guitarist for Queen. What is he in his 70s now? And then the guy from Def Leppard writes back, we love you, Brian. Better days ahead. And I'm just reading this like, oh my God. I mean, you think of Queen and all the joy they brought everybody in. And that this guy can use technology now to be like, y'all, I'm depressed. And it doesn't make any sense. Depression isn't about that. And also here's some vegan recipes. It makes me so happy. You know, sometimes I feel like our heroes should not be that accessible. And then I think it's fucking brilliant when they are. And so then he posted um, again, okay, on a different subject completely, looking at the comments you lovely folks left on my post about Christmas season blues, I was struck by how many of you find it hard to like yourselves at times, or maybe most of the time. Well, I've been through a lot of this, and I wish I had all the answers. I don't, but I keep coming back to this magical book because it does give you answers, gives you tools to deal with life, relationships, and your view of yourself. I've never I've never met Melody Beattie. I always recommend her book, so he's talking about this book called The Language of Letting Go. Um, and I have no connection with her, but it seems to me she had some kind of supernatural help with writing this book, which delivers you a paragraph of challenging yet magically supportive words for every day of the year. I have no hesitation in saying to you and you and you, and yes, even you, if one day you find you don't like yourself, keep this book on your bedside table for a year. No, it won't cure your life ills, but you'll have at least one dependable friend. Um... Yeah, so then that book you can get, it's like a daily, you know, um, devotional, meditational, whatever. And uh, there is an app, The Language of Letting Go. But yeah, so he just took a picture of this page. What do we need to do to take care of ourselves? Listen to that voice inside. What makes you angry? What have you had enough of? What don't you trust? What doesn't feel right? What can't you stand? What makes you uncomfortable? What do you want, need? What don't you want and need? What do you like? What would feel good? We learn that self in recovery, we learn that self-care leads us on the path to God's will and plan for our life. Self-care never leads away from our highest good. It leads towards it. Learn to nurture that voice inside. We can trust ourselves. We can take care of ourselves. We are wiser than we think. Our guide is within, ever-present. Listen to, trust, and nurture that guide. Um, I think this is a book for like an Al-Anon recovery thing. Anyway, so Brian May rocking it out and uh, good for him. So anyway, there you go. Starting off with the boring, touchy-feely stuff. So now on to the complaining. So I was in, um, as I mentioned, Sacramento a couple weeks ago. Now, I have a chain of hotels I love staying in. I'd give them a shout-out, but I don't want you all to come get me and murder me. So, um... You know, you sign it, you check in, and they text you within one second. Do you need anything? Is everything going good? And, you know, it took me a minute. I don't think I needed anything. And then um, they keep texting. And when I checked in, they're like, and don't forget, we've, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm like a platinum, double, triple, 
like fireworks go off when I come in the door member. So I've heard the spiel. I know there's free wine from five to six. I get it. I've, I've had wine. You know, wine's a part of my life. I can have it whenever I want. I'm a grown up. I'm not like, oh my God, five to six, free wine. Just relax, everybody. So anyway, I was like, no, I'm good. And then, um, what are you che- What are you in town for? Like, I'm never telling the truth. And then I posted about this and everyone was like, they have to ask that because it helps them. No, it doesn't. I know what you're saying. I've worked in hotels. Uh, bup, 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 bup. I know they might. So here's what you're going to do. Uh, then you're going to put it this way. We like to keep track. Are you here for business or pleasure? Per- are you here for personal or business? And then I'll say business. And then you shut the fuck up and you mark it down and you give it to the research department. Or you say, um, if you're staying as a business guest, we have a free amenity kit, right? Okay, yes, give me that. But that's not what they're doing. They're just making small talk. And somebody told them that good small talk is asking why they're in town. I don't want to tell you that I'm a stand-up comedian. So, And what if someone's in town? They're like, you know, I I just think back to like um, before a Caitlyn Jenner transition. She was talking about in her other identity when, when she was Bruce Jenner going whatever conference that Bruce was doing you know being in the hotel room and putting on women's clothing and just like this is where I go to be my true self to be Caitlyn before Caitlyn you know appeared on the scene and I just think that like just you never know why people are in a hotel just let them be I'm in town because I'm having an affair because I'm miserable and I don't know how to talk to my partner. And I figured have an affair. See if that jogs anything inside of me. I don't want to do therapy. I'm very shut down. Like what? Just shut up. You don't need to know. And if you do, then you have to present it to us in a way that makes us understand why you're asking. So I just lie. Oh, just quick business. Oh, what do you do? If I didn't tell you in the first sentence, I'm not telling you in the next one. And I go, I don't really want to talk about it. (laughs) I sound like a mental case. So anyway. I'm in my room and I say, I forgot my toothpaste. Could you bring some up? Now, then I get a text back. It's the big game. Do you want to meet us in the in the bar? There's free wine from five to six. Get your seat for the big game. I'm like, no, I want toothpaste. And it was, I wish I had kept it. I just kept going, no, I'm just pretty much all about that toothpaste. I have to leave in 15 minutes. I'm here on business. Like just unrelenting texts about the big game. And I was in Sacramento and there was a Kings game. That's their basketball team. And I guess everyone makes fun of them because it's like not a big team or whatever. But I remember last time I was there, they were playing the LA Clippers. I guess there's some other division that I don't care. But everyone was like, the big game, the big game. And I was like, ugh, stop saying the big game. It just so anno- I'm just not a sports person. I don't hate sports at all. And I actually really like basketball. As I mentioned last week, my mom is a big basketball fan. I, I really don't hate sports. I just hate the collective, like, everyone loves sports attitude. We're all going to the bar. Like, no, we're not. You know, and, and it's like, read the room. Like, when I walk in, like, do I look like a sports magoo? Like, what if what if somebody texted you and was like, we're all meeting in the bar to read the biography about James Dean, not the shitty one for normal people, but the real one that talks about his bisexuality and taking dance classes with Eartha Kitt and staying up late with Vampira and, and summoning ghosts and having seances and smoking cigarettes and reading Byron until four in the morning. Like, we're going to go there. You would never text someone that because you'd be like, well, not everyone's into that. Why can't we have that same attitude when we're texting about sports? Where's my hotel where it's like, at, from five to six, we have we have a free smoking cigarettes hour, and we talk about Oscar Wilde. Everyone wears all black, you know. Like, just 
Come on, people. Not everyone is like some normie sports person. Some of us, some of us were self-deprecating and also too high-minded, obnoxious, like literature kids. And if young me knew how dumb I got, that I've become so dumb, I barely get through a book anymore. And I say like all the time. What a fucking disappointment I am to myself. Anyway, I had this weird moment the other day. And if there's any doctors out there, please tell me what it's called. So, you know, I do the Stephanie Miller radio show once every couple months. You liberal, you come And it tapes live out of her home. And she's like, you know, five miles away from me. But, you know, with traffic, it's a 20-minute drive. And so when I do her show, I'm normally there for the 8 o'clock hour. So I get up at 7, quick shower, jam some coffee down my gullet, leave my place about 7.30 so that I can be there by like 7.55. So the night before, I knew I, I, I hadn't had a lot of sleep that weekend. I was in Sacramento that weekend. And I just could not sleep. I was waking up a lot. I was too hot. I was too cold. I was Goldilocks. I was in a bad mood. I was this. And I went to bed at midnight and I knew, ugh, I'm only going to get six, seven hours sleep. I set my alarm for 630 because I wanted to do a few things before I left because I had to go be other places right after. And I must have slept through my alarm and I woke up at eight. And I had to be there at eight. And I knew I had to be there at eight and I knew it was eight. But I wasn't panicked at all because in my head, it was seven. Or in my head, I had to be there. Does that make sense? I didn't think I had to be there at nine. I went, oh, fuck, it's eight. I knew I had to be there at eight. I knew it was 8 a.m., but I wasn't panicked because I was thinking it was seven. I don't know how to explain it. And if someone said to me, what time is it? I'd go, it's eight. And they go, what time do you be there? I'd go, eight. And they go, are you late? I'd go, no, I have an hour. Like that. I don't, whatever that's called. And so I'm I'm sitting there and it's like, you know, eight and uh, her producer, Travis, texts me. He's like, you can park in the driveway. And I was like, cool. See you later. And then like 825, he's like, are you on the way? And I was like, no, I'm leaving in like five minutes. Do you need anything? He's like, it's 830. And I was like, yeah. And it like didn't dawn on me until then as I was getting out of the shower that I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> I'm half hour late. Oh, I'm not coming in today. I, I can't. He was like, it's totally fine. We're all spaced out after the holidays. Come back in two weeks. And I was like, if you knew my heart, I wasn't late. I was ha- like, whatever that's called, where you don't know what time it is, that. And it was frightening because I was living in that reality for about 45 minutes till I was jogged from it. And I don't like it. Is it early Alzheimer's? What's happening? And I, it really was like I hadn't had enough sleep that weekend. And I'm just kind of, you know, was like stressed and neurotic. But This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. That freaked my deke, you guys. All right, listen to me. 
How are your New Year's resolutions going, you guys? Uh, how many of you were like, I'm going to be a rich bitch this year? And if you don't even remember what rich bitch is and you need to go back and familiarize yourself with earlier episodes of this podcast, I think back when it was I Seem Fun, yeah, when, uh, oh, it's a long story. But the uh, the live, laugh, love lady always accuses me of being a rich bitch. And we have actually merchandise in our store you can get a mug that says rich bitch, a t-shirt. It's super fun. If actually you go to jenkirkman.com and click shop, it'll take you right there. So anyway, if you want to be a rich bitch this year, well, then you might want to check out this sponsor. Here's the deal. If you all have a credit card, you might get 1% cash back. But what does your bank account give you? Most banks only give you 0.1 APY interest on your savings. But you should be earning more. And just, you know, this is not, this is just me inflecting. This is just me interjecting. I'm so old. I remember when banks used to give more than that. And now they're like, what? Oh, no, we totally don't. But with Wealthfront, if you get the Wealthfront cash account, you can earn more interest on your money. They have one of the highest interest rates in the market at 1.78% annual percentage yield. That is a lot of times more interest than that old national average of 0.1%, according to bankrate.com. Again, with a Wealthfront cash account, you earn 1.78%. So here's the deal. Like, imagine you're trying to achieve something and it would take you 50 years to do it. Now imagine that you could achieve the same thing in four months. Isn't that better? Let's say you have $20,000. With typical banks, it would take you 50 years to earn the same amount of interest that it will take you just four months to earn with Wealthfront. Now, if you're like, I don't have $20,000, that's okay. Whatever money you have, again, the interest rate is 1.78%. Look. I know you've made those New Year's resolutions. The month is half over. Yeah, the gym and your health, that's important. But what about your finances? Get that in order. This year, you can actually keep your resolution and keep earning more money. The Wealthfront Cash Account makes it effortless to earn more on your savings. So here's the deal. It takes only $1. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to be a rich bitch already. It takes $1 and a few minutes to open an account. You can even do it right from your phone. No paperwork required. There are no fees and your money is FDIC insured up to $1 million through their partner banks. Wealthfront is the ideal way to manage your money. You can save, plan, invest. You can even get financial advice all in one place. Right now, sign up for the Wealthfront cash account in less than five minutes by visiting wealthfront.com slash fun, W-E-A-L-T-H, F-R-O-N-T dot com slash fun. That is wealthfront.com slash fun. Wealthfront is not a bank. Cash account is offered by Wealthfront Brokerage LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Wealthfront conveys funds to partner banks who accept and maintain deposits, provide the interest rate, and provide FDIC insurance. The APY is subject to change. Guys, we have a new sponsor. I'm super into them. And I had their stuff delivered. It was easy and it was fresh when it got there. And, you know, normally I'm like, do I need to have everything delivered? And, of course, I don't. But but what I love about this company, Imperfect Foods, is that 
They recognize that over $218 billion of food goes to waste in this country every year, including 20 billion pounds of produce. That's what Imperfect Foods wants to change. Imperfect Foods is the only food delivery service that buys perfectly nutritious and delicious foods that grocery stores won't sell and delivers them to you at a discount so you can save money and help reduce food waste. It sources directly from farmers, committed to quality, and delivers delicious, imperfect groceries to you for up to 30% less than grocery stores. So it lets you pick healthy seasonal produce alongside, you know, regular grocery staples. It comes with quirky looking but delicious produce. You can also get surplus coffee, discolored quinoa, off-sized eggs, slightly scarred almonds and more. Okay, I did get myself some slightly scarred almonds and off-sized eggs and it was fine. I got surplus coffee. You guys, here's the thing. The food doesn't have to look perfect. It's not supposed to look perfect. And why be part of wasting food? Why not do this? And it's delivered right to your door. You can read about it in the New York Times, Forbes, or just ask any of their over 200,000 satisfied customers. You can start saving time-saving money and saving waste right now. Because when you go to imperfectfoods.com fun, right now through February 16th, you'll get $10 off of your next four orders. That's 40 bucks, guys. imperfectfoods.com fun, $10 off your next four orders, imperfectfoods.com slash fun. Check it out again. None of us are perfect. Why do we expect our food to be? Billions of pounds of food get left in the field. They end up stranded in warehouses or get thrown away every year. That's got to change. So be part of the change. Imperfectfoods.com slash fun and enter fun at checkout. And the food doesn't spoil. It's sent on ice. You're good to go. Get your veggies. Get your off-sized eggs. Get your coffee. Imperfectfoods.com slash fun. Enter fun at checkout. So, yeah, so I'm traveling, and I'm on the plane, and I can't believe how many ding, ding, dong, dong, dong. That's my gun sound. Everyone's watching things on their phone without headphones, and everybody has it down at this super low volume. They think no one can hear. But let me tell you something. You can hear things even more. I can't, I can actually tune out loud noises. Crash, bang, boom, ah! But you know what I can't tune out is this. I'm like, does anyone else hear that? Does anyone else hear what sounds like a miniature slot machine in someone's pocket? Does anyone else hear that? When we pick up sounds that are sort of far away, sort of muted, that's our biology, people. We're out there, we're cave people, we're out in the fields. What's coming to get us? Everything narrows. Our ears are wide open. We hear things. We hear everything we normally don't hear. you got to use headphones. I know you may not like headphones. I don't like them either. They hurt. I don't like big soundproof headphones. I don't like little earbuds. I don't like any of it, but I use it because I'm a citizen of the world and I want to bother other people. And half the time, I don't want people to hear what I'm listening to. Listen to my self-help shit on the, on the airplane. Now, your reactions are your actions. You know, people are like, God, can't, do you have to listen to self-help every minute of the day? Yes, I do. So I tweeted about it. I said, let this be the year in 2020 that flight attendants make an announcement. We know there's no smoking. There's never been smoking. There's some generations flying that never even knew you once could smoke. Wouldn't even dawn on them. To smoke on an airplane. 
all the airplanes with ashtrays in the armrests are mostly grounded or not there anymore. You got to start updating the announcements and saying, please do not use electronic devices without headphones. You will be asked, you'll be asked to leave. (laughs) But seriously, it's rude. And, I, you know, listen, if we have to keep adding to the announcements until the flight attendant is doing a one-hour monologue because people cannot police themselves anymore, then we're going to have to do it. Well, I tweeted that. Everyone went crazy. They assumed I was talking about children. I didn't say children. Did you hear me say children? I didn't say children. My kids have to. It's that or a tantrum. I'm going to be honest, I'd rather hear the tantrum. That's normal human sounds. Tantrums, people talking, these are sounds. I don't want to hear bling, blong, bloom. It's happy Susie time. It's happy Billy and Susie show. I would rather hear a kid go, ah, ah, ah. The tantrum will eventually stop. They'll lose their breath. The Billy and Susie show, two fucking hours. I don't mind the tantruming of children. Bring it on. I'll tantrum with them. And don't even, you know, I want to make a snap judgment that's like, really, they'll tantrum unless there's a screen? What did we do for hundreds of years before that? But I guess we tantrumed. And then some people are autistic. I know some people are autistic. My God, if there's anything I know, it's that some people are autistic. We know. I didn't say fuck autistic people. I said, could flight attendants make an announcement that you're supposed to use headphones? And let me tell you something. You know who's using headphones? The fucking autistic people. It's the no no one not using headphones isn't just a giant piece of shit, selfish whore jerk. (laughs) I'm not worried about the autistic. They never give me no problems. It's the (laughs) non-autistic. I'm talking adults watching Die Hard on their phone. Turn it down. How about turn it down, turn on the the closed captioning if you don't have headphones? How's that for you? Boom, I just saved the world. God, everyone gets so sensitive about their children. This is what you really should yell. It's a lot harder than I thought, and I knew it was going to be hard, and I'm having anxiety, and I'm miserable. So I need to look down on you. That's all it is. I need to shame you. Yeah, I know it's hard. That's why I didn't do it. It's not my type of hard. I can't I can't function as a parent. Not going to happen. Can't do it. Not doing it. Are you better than me? No. Am I still allowed to go, gee, I wish kids could wear headphones on planes? Yeah. I know. And that suck about life is that people still get to have opinions on what you're doing if you're bothering them. I know. It's the worst. It's the worst. That's life, though. So anyway, put your headphones on. Don't make me smack you down like the Pope smacked down a woman. Oh, my God. So Pope Francis... He's out there doing his thing, shaking hands with the people. I don't even know where he is. Like, I don't normally watch live feeds of the Pope shaking hands. I don't know if it was a special event, if he does this every week, if it was some Christmas thing. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to what I was watching, but the Pope's shaking hands. And, you know, for all the Popes we've had, he's a pretty good one. You know, he took a vow of poverty, I think, beyond even... I think he may give away his salary. I'm not sure. I looked it up. The Pope's salary is about 60 grand a year. It's about what uh, one might get on an American pension. It's, it's anywhere between like 30 to 60,000 a year, if I'm equating it to our money. And uh, yeah, is the Catholic Church 
a structural disaster in many ways and covering up for pedophiles and women can't be priests and gays can't. Th- yes, of course. Vatican, where what opulent thing in a city of people suffering. Yes, of course. But instead of being this reactionary, well, it's all that. Just within that, they have a pope. And of all the popes, this one's the most progressive. So people like the Pope Francis. And so I think people were extra shocked that he did this, not just because he's a man of God. The Pope in Catholicism is supposed to be, you know, the closest thing to God, which most Catholics are like, what? Oh, we're not even paying attention. We're not. I mean, maybe if you're in Rome or something. There's a lot of old school Catholics like the Pope. They like all that. They like all that kind of shit. But um, I think most people are like, there's no human that's closer to God than the other humans. You know, if we're going to go with the whole God thing, if we're going to go with the whole God trip, welcome to beatnik funlessness. Um, But, you know, in general, I'll just say that uh, I've never believed he's supposed to be holier than thou, as the expression is. But uh, I, I do believe he's at least supposed to pretend he is. You know what I mean? So I was shocked when I saw him not lose control. It's not like he roundhouse kicked her, but he he did just, yeah, he kind of uh, smacked her with his other hand. She was grabbing on his wrist and wouldn't let go, and he took his other hand and smacked her. And he looked angry when he did it. It was, it was really unbecoming, but it kind of made me laugh. I mean, he didn't hurt her. Everyone's fine. So I was wondering, oh, maybe he has arthritis or you know, a a weak wrist and she really hurt him. And it was this sort of like when you accidentally step on a cat's tail and they're like, you know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it certainly was shocking. So then he had to go and make an apology, which I loved because, you know, people usually tweet their apologies these days, but he got out there. He was on a balcony like a Vita. You know, the, the windows were open, the shuttered windows. He's standing on the balcony. He's not like barely on the balcony. He's like in between. He's like in the window. And there's a microphone and he's like, blah, blah, blah. I don't speak Italian, blah, blah, blah. And I think he apologized for that. Um, and I, I want more apologies to be done on a balcony. But, you know, I think he said that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I ain't supposed to be up in here hitting everybody. But I honestly get it. Like, we're all human. And I think that's the point of, for me, the point is that Jesus was such a radical because he said, I am God. And I think people took it literally and then, you know, did their little whatever they do, writing that Bible up, writing that New Testament up. Oh, we can fool people and be like, no, he really was God. That's not what he's trying to say. He's trying to say God is within reach of all of us. God's inside of all of us. We're all love. We're all God. That's all he was saying. I, I, that's my interpretation. So we're, we're all human. We're all human and we're all God. Does God smack people on the wrist? I don't know. You see your floods, your fires, your wars. You go, how can there be a God? Maybe God's like, I'm fucked up too. I don't know. All in all is I feel two ways about Pope Francis. I wish he, you know, I feel a little uncomfortable that That was his first reaction, but I don't know the circumstances. So I withhold judgment. I am the one closest to God on this planet. Look at me not judging. Anyway, 
Everybody, thanks for your support on this podcast. Again, it's at Jen Kirkman Podcast on Instagram. You can follow on Twitter at FunlessnessPod. I think it's actually at FunlessPod. I always don't know. I always don't know, and I'm going to look right now. But I really appreciate the social media uh, help. Yeah, at Funless. <clears throat> At Funlessness Pod, I was right. I was right. And again, give it five stars. Please write a review. It really, really helps. Tell your friends about having funlessness. Support the merchandise. I have some new merchandise coming, some new shirts that will say things about fun, like I'm no fun, I'm not fun, am I fun? Um, I'm not sure what they're going to be yet. They might even be up by now. So go to jenkirkman.com and click shop, and that'll lead you to my Tee Public merchandise page. Or again, if you go to... Um, the at, at funlessness pod on Twitter, my tea public store is up there and you can click a link and go right to my store. But if you go to jenkirkman.com slash shop, or if you just go to tpublic.com and you can, um, put in my name, Jen Kirkman and find my store. Um, but again, jenkirkman.com click shop and that's where you'll find the Jen Kirkman store. It's right there for you. So, again, let's read a customer review. A customer review. They still say that on iTunes. Like, these aren't customers. Oh, 4.8 stars out of 5. Jen's bowl and branch ad was one of my favorite things I listened to this week. I love the characters and stories she creates out of things like her sponsor ads and news stories. I've been listening since 2014, and thank God I have. Because though I don't know Jen, I feel she gets me, and sometimes I get current events from her, too. Thanks, Jen. Five stars from, well, I don't know who that person is. Their name is Love I Seem Fun. Oh, okay. A.K.A. Dents just wrote Love, longtime fan. Um, five stars from Eric is Taken. That's the person's name. Funny, but she won't admit it. Jen's podcast is like listening to a friend chatting about her week, but it's actually interesting and mostly funny as much as she protests otherwise. Honestly, as more shows I listen to are becoming monetized, this is the only one I would pay for. I hope she keeps it up. Thank you. Uh, Four stars. The male-female stuff is so grating. That's from Kaiser Soso. Well, guys, write more reviews along that vein. If you guys feel that the male-female stuff is not grating, um, I don't even understand what this person's talking about. You know what's grating has been living as a woman in this world. That's been grating. So you want me to shut up? Keep working and make it equal, and I'll shut the fuck right up. I'll be too busy enjoying my life. So I would like more reviews that disagree with Kaiser So-So. Now, I'm not asking you guys to uh, kiss my ass or do my bidding, but if you've never written in and you need a motivation and you're sick of every time a woman talks about gender and does it in what I think is a funny and compassionate and smart way, I think I'm fucking awesome, then write about that. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. There you go. But hey, you know what? He gave me four stars and not one. So there you go. Thanks for all the reviews. I do see them all. I see you. I see you out there. So the Hallmark Channel, everybody, this is what's great. So right before the holiday break, the Hallmark Channel took an ad off the air. It was um, like a wedding planning app. And in this ad, there were two women 
The gals can get married now to each other. Yeah, the two. Well, I've I've always said, um, of course, lesbians can get married. They just have to find a nice gentleman to settle down with. Oh, it's my old joke. But um, I don't know who that was. That's your hip aunt who's like not quite hip enough. But the lesbians, what they would do in the marriage and they were on the ad and then they were the kissing. And then Hallmark took the ad off and everyone went crazy. And I think Hallmark realized, oh, my God, most of our listeners are gays and people watching, ironically. So let's not cater to the loud 10 people that wrote letters. So within a day, I think, um, Hallmark was like, sorry, we'll reinstate the ad, blah, blah, blah. Right? I mean, why turn down fucking money? Take that advertising, Hallmark, and thank you for keeping the ad on and helping to normalize what is otherwise very normal. So Good stuff. Good stuff all around. Now, what do I want to talk about here? Oh, I wanted to, you know, I feel like this has been sort of a feel-good episode. We started out with my beautiful advice, (laughs) the Brian May stuff. You know, I complained a little bit. I got some complaining in for you guys that like the complaining. But um, I don't know. I'm feeling in the mood. I just feel like being around you guys. I'm in a listener email mood. So I'm going to read another email from a listener. It's a thank you email. (laughs) You're welcome. And then I'm going to um, read something by one of my favorite writers, Anne Lamott. So this is from a listener. His name is Germ, J-E-R-M. I don't know if that's your birth name or not, but it's a cool shit name. Hi, Jen. I want you to know that your words made a difference. There is another podcast, Misinformation, a trivia podcast that I started listening to, and it's great. I wanted to send them an email telling them that I liked their podcast, but as a loyal listener to I Seem Fun and Having Funlessness, I know that it would be so easy to feel like I'm giving praise and being a good fan, but spit out words that are ignorant and tone deaf. I wanted to do right by your advice. I wanted to be better. I am a natural scold. Your well technically guy is in my DNA. I'm not the dutiest dude in the bro Bible, but I know that I'm part of a culture. All right. Do you see how the self-awareness in this person that's so different than that the male and female stuff is grading? You're grading. Anyway, back to the email. I couldn't just toss something off the cuff. That email, like this email, deserved a little more effort. So I made sure that it was nice, that there was only unqualified praise, and that I did really want to tell them that I loved their podcast. No suggestions for improvement, no complaints, no half-baked ideas about how to do things differently, no claims of being a fan and then telling them what to do. Ooh, this email's like porn to me. Then I sat on it for a day and reread it to be sure. Oh my God. And then I sent it and it was a good interaction. They emailed back their thanks. I think we were all a little better off. You help me be a little better than my natural self. Oh, stop it. Thanks to I Seem Fun, having funlessness, I am more aware of the difference between getting it right and acting naturally. I look forward to the day when both of those things are the same. Thank you for the great podcast. I hope today is a good one for you. Well, it is now. Thanks, Germ. I love that email. So self-aware, so great. I didn't even like think about that. Like, yeah, you can have this urge to compliment people, but then like start getting inside baseball with them and telling them what you you know they want you to do. And I think most of the times, like, look, a lot of people out there might be like, oh, I wish someone would do this, you know, even me as you're sitting here listening. But we probably already know some of the suggestions, but we just can't implement them because it doesn't doesn't come to us naturally or we've decided it's not important enough right now or something, you know. 
And it just leads to making people feel paranoid. Like, oh, am I going to lose listeners unless I do it differently or I do this or I do that? So thanks for that. Thanks for that nice email. And uh, what else can I plug? Just come to my fucking shows, you guys. Buy tickets. Tweet about it. Put it on Instagram. Put it on Facebook. Tell everyone you're coming. I have seen a lot of that lately, and you guys, it fucking helps. And when I post about a gig and you get into the comments and you at your friends, you're like, you should go see her. I'm telling you, it makes such a difference. Like, I feel like I'm going to have a really good year with ticket sales if we keep that up. And I know it's a little extra work. But it really helps. So thanks for doing that. I see the difference. So don't think I'm just ranting and raving over here. Uh, Unappreciative. I'm so appreciative. So Anne Lamott's one of my favorite writers. She wrote Bird by Bird, which is a great book about how to be a writer um, from every angle, from like actually writing to expectations. Anne's a spiritual type. She's in the A and the A. And, you know, she's like a progressive who's into Jesus. Like, so, you know take or leave some of the god shit but she's um one of the most down-to-earth liberal progressive she's just supernatural she's just supernatural and i love Anne lamott and so um this was on a website i saw her tweet it out and i thought it was cool so 12 truths i learned from life and writing she says my seven-year-old grandson sleeps just down the hall from me and he wakes up a lot of mornings and he says you know this could be the best day ever And other times in the middle of the night, he calls out in a tremulous voice, Nana, will you ever get sick and die? I think this pretty much says it for me and for most of the people I know that we're a mixed grill of happy anticipation and dread. So I sat down a few days before my 61st birthday and I decided to compile a list of everything I know for sure. There's so little truth in the popular culture and it's good to be sure of a few things. For instance, I am no longer 47, although this is the age I feel and the age I like to think of myself as being. My friend Paul used to say in his late 70s that he felt like a young man with something really wrong with him. So guys, I was saying this in my stand-up this week. It kind of came to me when I was on stage. Like, Younger people feel really intensely about what they're going through. If you're in your 20s and you're broke and the environment, but you may see this sort of relaxed way that people in their 40s and above are. It's not because we're corporate rich and we don't give a fuck. It's that when you get older, you start to feel younger. It's just sort of the miracle of life. And when you're younger, you never feel older. You don't, no one 100 feels 100, 20 year olds feel 100. It's just the way it is. So you got to give the people above you, you got to cut them some slack. If you see us managing to have joy and a little bit of relaxation during these terrible times, please do not assume that we are not on your side and that we are in some corporate tower and counting our money and ha 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 and we don't care about global warming. Trust us, our legs are going to be working a lot less when we have to run from tsunamis in a desert than you guys, okay? You'll still be youngish. So here's the deal. You can actually look up to us and be like, hey, there's some wisdom. Soothe me. Let me know it gets better. Your life may not get better. It will get better. Your outlook on it may. Uh, I'm, I'm not kidding. And I have clinical depression and anxiety, and I still feel better than I did when I was younger. I feel younger. Um, it has nothing to do with any kind of financial situation or any kind of anything, because trust me, last year was a little scary. Okay. Anyway, so just like believe older people when they say that. And and give older people the benefit of the fucking doubt. You know what I mean? Enough with the bashing. All right. Our true person is outside of time and space. But looking at the paperwork, I can, in fact, see that I was born in 1954. My inside self is outside of time and space. It doesn't have an age. I'm every age I've ever been. And so are you. 
although I can't help mentioning as an aside that it might have been helpful if I hadn't followed the skincare rules of the 60s, which involved getting as much sun as possible while slathered in baby oil and basking in the glow of a tinfoil reflector shield. It was so liberating, though, to face the truth that I was no longer in the last throes of middle age, that I decided to write down every single true thing I know. People feel really doomed and overwhelmed these days, and they keep asking me what's true. So I hope that my list of things I'm almost positive about might offer some basic operating instructions to anyone who is feeling really overwhelmed or beleaguered. Number one, the first and truest thing is that all truth is a paradox. Life is both a precious, unfathomably beautiful gift, and it's impossible here on the incarnational side of things. It's been a very bad match for those of us who were born extremely sensitive. It's so hard and weird that we sometimes wonder if we're being punked. It's filled simultaneously with heartbreaking sweetness and beauty, desperate poverty, floods and babies and acne and Mozart all swirled together. I don't think it's an ideal system. Number two, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. Three, there is almost nothing outside of you that will help you in any kind of lasting way unless you're waiting for an organ. You can't buy, achieve, or date serenity and peace of mind. This is the most horrible truth, and I so resent it. But it's an inside job, and we can't arrange peace or lasting improvement for the people we love most in the world. They have to find their own ways, their own answers. You can't run alongside your grown children with sunscreen and chapstick on their hero's journey. You have to release them. It's disrespectful not to. And if it's someone else's problem, you probably don't have the answer anyway. Our help is usually not very helpful. Our help is often toxic. And help is the sunny side of control. Stop helping so much. Don't get your help and goodness all over everybody. This brings us to number four. Everyone is screwed up, broken, clingy, and scared, even the people who seem to have it most together. They are much more like you than you would believe, so try not to compare your insides to other people's outsides. It will only make you worse than you already are. Also, you can't save, fix, or rescue any of them or get anyone sober. What helped me get clean and sober 30 years ago was the catastrophe of my behavior and my thinking. So I asked some sober friends for help, and I turned to a higher power. One acronym for God is the Gift of Desperation, G-O-D, as a sober friend put it. By the end, I was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards. So God might mean, in this case, me running out of any more good ideas. While fixing and saving and trying to rescue is futile, radical self-care is quantum, and it radiates out from you into the atmosphere like a little fresh air. It's a huge gift to the world. When people respond by saying, well, isn't she full of herself? Just smile like Mona Lisa and make both of you a nice cup of tea. Being full of affection for one's goofy, self-centered, cranky, annoying self is home. It's where world peace begins. Number five, chocolate with 75% cacao is not actually a food. Its best use is as a bait in snake traps or to balance the legs of wobbly chairs. It was never meant to be considered as an edible. 
Number six, writing. Every writer you know writes really terrible first drafts, but they keep their butt in the chair. That's the secret of life. That's probably the main difference between you and them. They just do it. They do it by prearrangement with themselves. They do it as a debt of honor. They tell stories that come through them one day at a time, little by little. When my older brother was in fourth grade, he had a term paper on birds due the next day, and he hadn't started. So my dad sat down with him with an Audubon book, paper, pencils, and brads, for those of you who have gotten a little less young and remember brads. And he said to my brother, just take it bird by bird, buddy. Just read about pelicans and then write about pelicans in your own voice. And then find out about chickadees and tell us about them in your own voice. And then geese. So the two most important things about writing are bird by bird and really god-awful first drafts. If you don't know where to start, remember that every single thing that happened to you is yours and you get to tell it. If people want you to write more warmly about them, they should have behaved better. You're going to feel like hell if you wake up someday and you never wrote the stuff that is tugging on the sleeves of your heart, your stories, memories, visions, and songs, your truth, your version of things in your own voice. That's really all you have to offer us, and that's also why you were born. Seven, publication and temporary creative successes are something you have to recover from. They kill as many people as not. They will hurt, damage, and change you in ways you cannot imagine. The most degraded and evil people I've ever known are male writers who've had huge bestsellers. And yet, returning to number one, that all truth is paradox. It's also a miracle to get your work published, to get your stories read and heard. Just try to bust yourself gently of the fantasy that publication will heal you, that it will fill the Swiss cheesy holes inside of you. It can't. It won't. But writing can. So so can singing in a choir or a bluegrass band. So can painting community mur- murals or birding or fostering old dogs that no one else will. Number eight, families. Families are hard, hard, hard. No matter how cherished and astonishing, they may also be also see number one. At family gatherings where you suddenly feel homicidal or suicidal, remember that in all cases, it's a miracle that any of us specifically were conceived and born. Earth is forgiveness school. It begins with forgiving yourself. And then you might as well start at the dinner table. That way, you can do this work in comfortable pants. When William Blake said that we are here to learn to endure the beams of love, He knew that your family would be an intimate part of this, even as you want to run screaming for your cute little life. But I promise you are up to it. You can do it, Cinderella. You can do it, and you will be amazed. Nine, food. Try to do a little better. I think you know what I mean. Number 10, grace. Grace is spiritual WD-40 or water wings. The mystery of grace is that God loves Henry Kissinger and Vladimir Putin and me Exactly as much as he or she loves your new grandchildren. Go figure. The movement of grace is what changes us, heals us, and heals our world. To summon grace, say help, and then buckle up. Grace finds you exactly where you are, but it doesn't leave you where it found you. And grace won't look like Casper the Friendly Ghost, regrettably, but the phone will ring or the mail will come, and then against all odds, you'll get your sense of humor back. Laughter really is carbonated holiness. It helps us breathe again and again and gives us back to ourselves and gives faith and life in each other. 11, and remember, grace always bats last. 11, God just means goodness. It's really not all that scary. It means the divine or loving, animating intelligence, or as we learn from the great deteriorata, what? I don't know what deteriorata is. I don't care. The cosmic muffin. A good name for God is not me. 
Emerson said that the happiest person on earth is the one who learns from the nature from nature the lessons of worship. So go outside a lot and look up. My pastor said you can trap bees on the bottom of mason jars without lids because they don't look up. So they just walk around bitterly bumping into glass walls. Go outside, look up, secret of life. And finally, number 12, death. Wow, yikes. It's hard to bear when the few people you cannot live without die. You'll never get over these losses. And no matter what the culture says, you're not supposed to. We religious people, we Christians, like to think of death as a major change of address. But in any case, the person will live again fully in your heart if you don't seal it off. Like Leonard Cohen said, there are cracks in everything, and that's how the light gets in. And that's how we feel our people again, fully alive. Also, the people will make you laugh out loud at the most inconvenient times, and that's the great good news. But their absence will also be a lifelong nightmare of homesickness for you. Grief and friends, time and tears will heal you to some extent. Do you know the first thing? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, when you're a little bit older, like my tiny personal self, you realize that death is as sacred as birth. And don't worry, get on with your life. Almost every single death is easy and gentle with the very best people surrounding you for as long as you need. You won't be alone. They'll help you cross over to whatever awaits us. As Ram Dass said, when all is said and done, we're really just all walking each other home. I think that's it. But if I think of anything else, I'll let you know. Anyway, there you go. Look, we started with a theme. We ended with a theme. I didn't mean for it to happen. Oh, my God. Spiritual woo-woo. Until next week, have fun.